Thank you for listening to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast, located here in Pasco, Washington, where lives are still being changed for Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy it. Amen. In July 1989, Charles Bardeck of East Detroit killed his wife and then himself with a 12-gauge shotgun in their East Detroit home. He had taken a number of fur trapping expeditions over the years and had been bitten by his share of ticks. Then he heard about Lyme disease, which is carried by deer ticks. He became obsessed with the fear that he had been bitten in the past by a tick with the disease and that he had passed the disease to his wife. Hence the reason why he killed himself and his wife. Though it is rarely fatal, Lyme disease can be controlled by antibiotics and is contracted by only 5,000 people annually throughout the nation. Doctors assure the 73-year-old retired auto worker, that he was not infected after he had been given numerous tests. They also told him it was virtually impossible to pass the disease to another person. But Bodek, described by relatives as a hypochondriac, you guys know one of those? Described by relatives as a hypochondriac did not believe his doctors. When police found him and his wife's bodies, their mailbox was jammed with material describing Lyme disease. Police also found this slip confirming that Baldick had an appointment again the following week for yet another Lyme disease test after numerous, numerous of different tests to try to confirm this. It's almost as he was seeking the disease. Now, the reason why I'm saying that this morning is that this article was entitled, Couple Was Killed by Worry. Christian, if you allow it, worry can many times drive you to the point of despair. Many times it can drive you to a point, even to a place where this man is found, to a place of no turning back. But see, the thing this morning, and this is where I want you to be encouraged, is that Jesus has a solution for worry. And that solution is to be present in his presence. I want to say that one more time. Be present in his presence and allow him to to be present in your tomorrow. Can I tell you, your tomorrow belongs to God. And that somewhere God knows what he is doing. And I understand we go through things that we might not necessarily have the complete clarity as we're going through it. But can I tell you that God does? And that somewhere you're worried. You can give to God. And that your burdens and everything that you go through, you can give them to God. Because God knows what he's doing. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. You can say amen when you're there. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your hearts. And do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. He will make straight your paths. Now go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Say amen when you're there. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Amen. Yeah. It says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. 
what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of, in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Verse 33. But seek first, say with me first. first. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Lord, preach a sermon that I've entitled Refocusing um, this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, God, that you have given us to be here together, God. Father, I do not come in my own talents or abilities, Father, but I submit under your cross, God, in your authority, and I pray that you will anoint, God, every word that comes out of my mouth. God, I pray that if there's anybody here who's worrisome, God is anxious about life or maybe a specific situation that they're going through. God, I pray that you will be their peace. God, you will be their joy. You will be their strong tower. God, I know that you can do this for us. We love you here this morning and we trust you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said this morning. Amen. Amen. I want to start off with my first thought, and that is understanding what worry does to us. So to understand, we got to really understand what the word worry is. This word worry is actually comes out of a Middle English word that's wearying. Um, and what it means is to slay, to kill or injure by biting and shaking the throat. Comes from an old English, an older English word that's called W-Y-R-G-A-N, which means to strangle. And this is where we get the word worry from that somewhere, if you'll be honest with yourself, when you worry about something, it, it is almost like a weight comes upon your life or some type of, or your body or your mind because you're thinking about something that's going to happen or something that can happen and you begin to think about these things and many times it vexes your mind. Slay, kill, to strangle, to choke. This is exactly what worrying does to us. It begins to strangle our peace. Maybe you guys know that when you get saved, Jesus gives you peace. Yes. Maybe you guys know that when you get saved, God um, reveals some things to you. And one of those things is that he loves you. Yes. That it goes beyond just some type of human love. But somewhere he paid a price for you and he cares about what you're going through. Can I tell you this morning, Christian, friend, this morning, God cares about what you're going through. Yes. That you're not just overlooked. You might be forgotten or ignored or overlooked by people in your life or even people in your same family. but. God doesn't do that to you. You see, worry begins to affect your life. It begins to affect your life physically. 
excessive worry can many times affect your mind and body. It can cause your mind and body to go into overdrive as you constantly focus on what might happen. Not what's going on, but what could happen. Have you guys ever had those nights where your mind is racing a million miles per hour? Sleepless nights just to wake up and figure out that what you were worrying about didn't happen. Chronic worrying can interfere with your appetites. Has there been worried so much, so anxious that you're not hungry? It can affect your lifestyle habits. Anytime you see people isolate themselves and begin to cut off things because somewhere they're just concerned about what they're going to go through, at least in their mind. You have this story that I read about this man who did not have Lyme disease, who was told by several people he does not have Lyme disease, but somewhere in his mind he says, no, I was bitten by a tick that had Lyme disease. Chronic worry can interfere with your relationships. Yeah. Can interfere with your sleep, many times your job performance, who, what you do. See, the problem with worry is that when you worry to an excess, many times it causes this fight or flight response. You guys ever heard of that? Yeah. Fight or flight. Yeah. Some of you guys are fighting, some of you guys are fleeing. The fight or flight response, also known as the acute stress response, refers to a cycle of. Uh, a physiological reaction that occurs in the presence of something that is terrifying. Either mentally or physically, the response is triggered by the release of hormones that prepares your body to either stay and deal with the threat or to run away to safety. And this is the way people usually respond. It's usually you deal with it. A very confrontational person will Deal with it. Somebody on the opposite end of the spectrum will run away from it. Go hide. Find something where they can make them feel better. Worry can cause you to fly, fight or fly in situations that not had happened yet. That's the issue right there. Is that So fight or flight is okay when something's happening, right? There's a threat against your life. Somewhere you either fight back or you, or you flee. That's fine. But the problem is that worrying makes you react this way with things that have not yet happened. Things that have not necessarily come to pass and somewhere, many times, if you'll be honest, most of the worrying are with things that are in the future or at least some type of mindset or a thought. And you see this a lot in women. They'll begin to connect dots. Well, if my husband didn't work Friday, then my check is going to be shorter, so I can't buy milk, so my son is going to starve to death. And and they begin to connect all of these different things, and it happens to some men too. Amen? Yeah. But many times what happens is that somewhere you begin to worry about things that have not yet come to pass. So what Jesus is dealing with in the book of Matthew, why be anxious about your tomorrow? Amen. Tomorrow's not here yet. There's nothing. He says, which one of you guys by being anxious can add another hour to your life? See, if you're not careful, you can allow worry and anxiety to consume you. See, one of the things that I've noticed, especially in our generation, or the generation that we're living in right now, is that anxiety is running rampant. That's somewhere, you know, I, I, growing up in, in high school, I heard, from a, I heard somebody had a, an anxiety attack, and I had no clue what that was. Now you hear it, all, you hear it all the time. People are having it all the time. 
all anxiety and being anxious and all worrying and, and all these different things. And it's a very real thing. You have to be careful because it can consume your life. So I want to identify a few things. I want to identify different types of worry or anxiety. Um, one of them is the worst case scenario. You ever, you ever thought about something and then you prepare yourself for the worst case scenario? Yes. Dwelling on unlikely risks many times and anticipate, anticipating the worst case scenario in every situation. It's a prescription. Many times it's prescriptions that for sleepless nights and anxious days, this, this very worst case scenario is exactly what it does. It steals your peace and somewhere you begin to set yourself up. That's like the opposite of faith. That somewhere you're like, well, I'm not going to do this, or I'm going to expect the worst, or what's the worst that can happen? Let me prepare myself for that. Because it affect relationships. It's where you see the, uh, uh, the, I believe it's called the prenup in marriage, that you can sign a contract and prepare yourself just in case this person doesn't love you in a few years. You can cut it off clean. You're going to prepare yourself for worst case scenarios, and that's not the way you want to live, Christian. Yeah. Because when we live for God, there's best case scenarios. Yeah. That God can be a supernatural God. I was talking about this last Sunday, that the idea of supernatural is that God sets these natural rules in our world, like physics and all these things, like whatever goes up and comes down, but a supernatural God can break those rules. Yeah. That he can do whatever he wants because he's sovereign. So worst case scenario worries are steal many of your peace that God or many of the peace that God has given you. Another way is yesterday's worries. People suffer from the should have, could have, would have syndrome. I could have prepared for that better. I would have pursued that. I, would, I should have done that. You always hear people living in the ifs of life. Oh, if I would have acted this way. A marriage would have fallen apart, or if I would have said that, then he probably wouldn't have treated me or she wouldn't have said this this way. And there's some realities to that, and there's some legit things that you go through, but you just can't live in the ifs of life. You can't live on your yesterday. Just like we can't live in our tomorrow because God is there, but we're not. We can't dwell in the past. Apostle Paul says, I got my vision in the future. I'm, I'm going forward, I'm pushing forward, and I don't look back. You go crazy if you live in yesterday. Then obviously you have your tomorrows. You begin to create these false realities many times. You begin to act out on what might happen. You worry about situations so much that you begin to act on things that don't. My pastor used to always tell my wife, you're creating a hurricane in a water bottle. <laughs> you're connecting all these things and you're thinking about all of these different things just to Find out that it's nothing. You're just overthinking things. You ever overthought stuff? As you sat down, you're like, man, I totally overthought that. I... <laughs> See, when we worry. See, the problem is this, Christian, is that many times worry becomes our identity. You begin to make decisions based on this anxiety or this worry, this mindset. Constantly worry about what might happen. You become absent of what is actually happening now. You begin to ignore more important things in life. And this is where Jesus and our scriptures trying to ground us. Tomorrow's for God. Yesterday's in the past. 
Don't worry about it. It's somewhere Jesus can meet our needs and can help us in our situations be present. See, the problem and the danger you run with worrying is that you can be absent with a lot of the things that God has given you already. While you're thinking about things in the future or dwelling in the past, God is doing things right now. You can overlook them and begin to make judgments and decisions on things that you think when God is doing things right now. See, many of us, we'll be honest, we can get choked by worrying. Choked by our worries in life, some people get trapped in a cycle of worry. Replaying the same scenario over and over again in their mind. You see this many times in relationships. All men are the same. They're all pigs. They're all dogs. And, and somewhere they replay the same thing and same thing. You see these, these people who get remarried and then remarried and then remarried and then remarried. And, and they'll keep on going because somewhere they're just, they act the same way that, oh, he's going to be the same way he was and he's going to be the same way she was. So, and they begin to act on these things. They lie awake all night and literally worry this, themselves sick. See, worrying allows anxiety to control your mind. This word anxiety, by definition, is a feeling of worry. Nervousness or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. See, the problem is that we want to be in control of many things, right? You want to be in control with all you. You want to put your hands on all the cookie jars in the world. <laughs> you want to do it, you know? But somewhere in our life, one thing that we understand, or at least you should understand, is that many things, God is in control. Amen. And that somewhere God is doing something in our lives or working in us for our destiny. We must understand that we're here today, but God is there tomorrow. And that somewhere he's preparing things and it might be out of our control. But it's in God's control, and that is perfectly fine. If anxiety controls your mind, you will not make sound decisions. You're going to rely on your understanding of things. You're going to rely on your wisdom of things. And the reality is, if you'll be honest with yourself, you're not smarter than God. Don't you never remind of God's smarter than you. He knows what he's doing. And every time we've grabbed the wheel in life, many times we've messed up. Many decisions. The Bible says don't make hasty decisions. And many times we'll, we'll go based on our emotions and based on things that we thought we understood just to find out that I had absolutely no clue. Which takes me to my second thought. And I want to stay with this for a little bit. Is that your tomorrow belongs to God. J.R. the rank, an English executive, decided to do all his worrying on one day each week. <laughs> chose Wednesdays when anything happened that gave him anxiety and annoyed his ulcer he would write it down and put it in his worry box and forget about it until next Wednesday the interesting thing was that on the following Wednesday when he opened his worry box he found that most of the things that he had this um, disturbed that had disturbed him the past six days were already settled it would have been useless to have Worried about them. Tomorrow belongs to God. Amen. Amen. Many times you got to just put it in a box and say, you know what, God, this is your box. This is where I, not that box, you can name it the altar. You can name it church service. You come and lay your worries and burdens to God and say, here it is, God. I'm just going to wait till next Wednesday, wait till next Sunday, and see what you can do. 
the tomorrow belongs to God. You don't gain anything with worrying about life and thinking about things that have not happened. Now, I do want to throw this out there now. There is nothing wrong with taking a problem to God. I want you to open your Bible to the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 20. We're going to consider Jehoshaphat and what he does with his issues. Because that's what God is there for. That's who God is. Is that you can take not only your issues, but you can take your worries to God. You know, I'll be lying to you to say that when you're a Christian, you stop worrying. But see, what happens is that you begin to learn how to deal with worries. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 4. We're going to be reading quite a bit. Verse 1. You can say amen over there. Second Chronicles chapter 20. We'll be in verse One, it says, after this, the Moabites and Ammonites, and with them some of the Mennonites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, the great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Zazan Tamar, this is in Gedi. Verse 3, then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout Judah. That's a pretty good response, right? an army against them, and he goes and seeks the Lord. Verse 4, And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord from all the cities of Judah. They came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord, therefore the new court, and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nation. In your hand are power and might that no one is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? Man, that's a good response. He goes to God. He, sees, he goes to church, the house of the Lord. He says he's there. And he seeks God when there's a threat against his life. The reality is that there will be some real situations in life. We spoke about worry. We spoke about worrying in your tomorrows. We spoke about worrying in your yesterday. But what about when there's a legit threat against your life? Because there will be. There will be real situations in life that will cause us to fear, cause us to doubt, to worry and be anxious. But here in our scripture, we see the response of the king. And can I tell you, you need to mirror that. Verbatim, go to God. Go to the altar and say, God, I desperately need you. Are you not the God who resurrected from the grave? Amen. Are you not the God who said, why do I have to worry about my clothing? If you clothe the grass. See, the king's response is how we should respond to all things, possible and impossible. Because all things are possible to God. Just go to Second Chronicles chapter twenty, verse fourteen. You say, "Amen." Over there, it says, "And the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, uh, son of Jael, son of Madaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly." And he said, "Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you: Say with me, do not be afraid." 
And do not be dismayed at this great war, for the battle is not yours, but whose is it? Uh, oh, you should have shouted hallelujah right there, church. Amen. That the battle is not ours. Whose is it? God. Verse 16, tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness. So, you know, there's, there's nothing better than what God gives you exact directions. Jeru, verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. With with you. you. See, God was present in their tomorrow. Amen. Today they're tripping. <laughs> tomorrow God knows what he's doing. Because they seek God during their present problem. Guess what God did? God revealed their tomorrow. Amen. Isn't that the best? Whenever you have these worries and these issues, these anxieties, you can come to God and you can ask God for clarity. And then God gives you a revelation about your tomorrow that God is with you. That you don't have to. Church, Matthew, what we were reading, that's your revelation for tomorrow. God says, I'm with you. I'm already there. You're in today. I'm in your tomorrow preparing things for you. See, God was present in their tomorrow, but because they seek God, they're in their present problem. They had peace, and they knew what to do. They just needed to do what God told them to do. That's amazing. He tells them, go. You're going to win. You just go over there. It's not your battle. It's mine. You don't even have to fight. That's, those are the good battles. The ones you don't have to fight. The one that you can get on your knees and ask God, God, can you come through for me? Can you do this for me? Can you can you take this away from me? Can you meet me where I am at? And God says, I can. Don't be afraid of the things that you're going through because I've already prepared good things for you. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that uh, it says that for those who love them, all things work for their good. God makes things work. Now, the thing is that we have to trust God with our tomorrow. Christianity is not just help for your present day, but also positioning you for your destiny in God. So how do you believe God, and how do you trust God with your tomorrow? Well, you do it now. You do it in your present. You say, God, I give you my today, and I give you my tomorrow and if you have a jack of past God I give you my past too <laughs> Psalms 94 19 in the multitude of my anxieties within me your comfort delights my soul King David understood that God is in control see friend this morning disciple husband wife mother father listen you take your worries to Christ and he's going to help you Let's open your Bible to the book of Matthew, chapter 11. Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28. Say amen when you're there. Matthew 11, verse 28. It says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I want you guys to do this. Good. Deep breath. I will give you rest. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. See, the idea is that you can bring these heavy things. How many of you guys know many times life is heavy? Yes. You come to church and you've got duffel bags all over you, right? And you come to the altar and you drop them off and you pick up what God gives you, his yoke, and it's light. Remember the time when you got saved? When you answered the altar call, whenever you prayed that prayer and you, you, you gave your life to Jesus, it's almost like a clean feeling. Like somewhere there was a lightness about things. Like, you know what, man, I have a God that loves me and he's going he's gonna to take care of me. Now I have a future and a destiny in life and somewhere God is going to do something in me. This is exactly what Jesus is saying. Is that somewhere you can find this in me. That you don't have to worry about your tomorrows. That you don't have to worry about. Can I tell you, your past is under the blood. Yes. I had a friend. He was applying for, for work. I'm from Houston. And, um, and he, was, uh, he was an ex-convict. So everywhere, he would have to put that he was a felony. A felony. And to put it on there, had a hard time finding work. And then one time, he was applying next to me. So I was like, listen, bro. Where it says background, just put under the blood. <laughs> just put it under the black. He's, he has a job now. He's saved. He's he's uh, he's in ministry in the church and somewhere. Listen, it's under the blood. God can use you. He can he can change your life. It doesn't matter who you are, what lines you cross, what you're going through. It doesn't matter how crazy your situation is in your mind. You might be thinking, how can this happen? How can God come through for me? Can I tell you, He can. Amen. You see the story of Jesus making uh, go, going out of his way to Samaria to speak to the Samaritan woman. You guys remember the story? And the Samaritan woman asked Jesus, how can a Jew give me water? A Samaritan woman. And in her mind, she begins to rationalize. This isn't politically correct. This isn't right. You shouldn't be doing this. But Jesus says, I can do whatever I want. And if you drink out of this water... You can stop shacking up. Isn't that what he says? Amen. You, can, you can actually find peace in me and you won't have to drink out of other, other fountains. Which is the key and the step that I'm going to give you today when it comes down to escape and worry is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Isn't that what our Bible says? Amen. Can I tell you that your Bible still gives you answers? Amen. Answers to everything. And it's right here for us. He goes on this whole thing speaking about worry. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says, But seek. Say with me, but seek. But seek. So he goes on to worry. And then he goes, But seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these other things shall be added to you. Yes. I want you to open it so you can read that with me so you won't think I'm lying. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. See, one day John Wesley was walking with a troubled man who expressed his doubts as to the goodness of God. He said, I do not know what I shall do with all this worry and trouble, says the man. At the same moment, Wesley saw a cow looking over a stone wall. Do you know, asked Wesley, why that cow is looking over the wall? This man said, no. The worried man said, no. So Wesley said this, is the cow is looking over the wall because she cannot see through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> see, somewhere you need to catch this revelation. Is that you have a wall called present. You're today. And somewhere you're trying to, trying to look over. But can I tell you, 
if you do get a glimpse of your tomorrow when you look over the wall, guess it's going to be there. Oh, come on, church. I've been saying it all sermon. Who's in, who's in your tomorrow? God. So if you look over it, who are you going to see? God is there. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, say it with me. Do not be anxious or worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious or worry for itself. Sufficient is the day. It's own trouble. Why do you want to add all the troubles for tomorrow? Leave that for tomorrow. You'll be there one day. Stay in here today. Stay in here today. Some of you guys are thinking, man, tomorrow's Monday. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is Monday. And you'll get there, and then it's going to be Tuesday, and then it's going to be Wednesday. You'll be back in church. Amen. And you can come to, you can go to God on Monday. Amen. You can go to the throne of, of, of grace, and you can ask God, please help me to seek first the kingdom of God. The key word I want you to focus is first. Amen. The key to overcome all worries and anxieties is that when it comes to your life, your knee-jerk reaction is to go to God. See, God blesses those who seek Him. To focus on what God is doing and wants to do in your life is what you need to do. That should be the heart of the church. Somewhere we were seeking to find God, His kingdom, His righteousness. See, freedom comes when you shift when you shift your focus from you to the kingdom of God. Stop worrying about yourself. It's every. How many of you guys are going to outreach with us? You ever you think about yourself if they're in outreach? No. <laughs> think about other people. Especially when you're witnessing. You're, you know, you're witnessing somebody, telling them about Jesus, inviting them to the church. You, all the worries are gone. You're trying to help the person in front of you. This is what seeking means to serve. You know, one of the things that I've noticed that whenever I go through hard things, I just press harder when it comes out to my ministry. I read my Bible more. I pray more. I reach out to people more. I fellowship more. I don't isolate myself. I eat more. Amen? <laughs> I go with people. I go out to dinners. I, I begin to talk with them, and I begin to not allow this worry and anxiety to eat me up. Amen. I begin to refocus my mind on the, on the kingdom of God. That's how you can refocus your mind. I want you to do this. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them you are not a victim of your mind. Somewhere you can control your mind. No, Pastor, you don't know me. I was raised this way. You don't know my mom. <laughs> you don't know what I've been through. But I might not, but somewhere you can renew your mind. The Bible says it's with the renewal of your mind, right? You renew your mind. And somewhere God can help you renew things that you might think, oh, I'm set in my ways. Yeah, well, God can set those ways different. Refocus your mind. And I'll reach more. Tell people about Jesus. Listen to the music you're listening to. I mean, listen to, change the music that you're listening to. <laughs> and I'll close with this. Is that you need to be present in His presence. The light in what God is doing now. It's a time for everything. But the light in what He is doing now. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Verse 1 says, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. 
And somewhere you must understand that somewhere God knows what he is doing. Enjoy what God is doing now. Enjoy your children. Enjoy your church. Enjoy the spouse of your youth, says the Bible. Enjoy. Live for God. To do something for God now. And watch, you'll see how your mind begins to shift. You're going to see God do things in your life. And you know that the, the more broader term of this is positive, positivity. That somewhere you begin to reject the negative stuff in life and you say, you know what, that's not for me, God. God, you're going to do, you're going to do something in my life and I'm going to focus on what you want to do in my life. Yeah. There's some things that you can do for God that are available for you. You can, you can witness, you can pray, you can, you can help somebody. God, is that what a Christian should be doing? You should be helping somebody. Discipleship. Get somebody under your wings and work with them. Help their issues. Forget about you. Can I tell you it's not about you? Help somebody else out. You'll be amazed what that will do in your hearts. When you begin to see people make it through Christ because of your help. Because of what you're doing. There's an open door that you open for them. So you know what this morning, I just want to tell you, leave your anxieties here. We have a service tonight. But see, today when this service ends, I want you to leave it here. Before you get up, I want you to come to the altar and I want you to drop your anxieties, your worries, and say, you know what, God, I've been worried about this days, weeks, months, years, but I'm going to leave it up to you now. It's not going to be the easiest thing. I'm going to get some easier said than done, right? Yeah. You say this, all I'm going to leave it here, and you get out of the door, and the first thing you think about is that thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you focus, you seek first the kingdom of God. You're going to do something else. Okay, I have this in my mind, but I'm going to do something else. You're going to redirect yourself. Say, so you know what, God, I'm going to focus on you. Making every head bowed and every eye closed. You've just listened to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast located here in Pasco, Washington. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you come back for more.